What a do, what a do, peas and carrots, I'm back in the stew. Hello, hello everybody, my name is Remy Alau, aka Chaco Thunder, and welcome to the Gospel of Anime. Uh, first things first, I want to wish you guys a very happy Easter. At the time of recording, this last Sunday was Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, if you're not familiar. On this day, every year, we get to celebrate the resurrection of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came down to live a perfect, sinless life on this earth, despite being tempted in every way that we're being tempted, and was killed, despite being literally perfect. But after three days in the tomb, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. Jesus Christ was resurrected. So I just want to say, he is risen indeed. Glory to the Most High. But uh, today we will be having two segments. We're going to be having an off-topic segment. And we're going to take a trip to the hyperbolic time chamber. Off-topic segments are segments where we may talk about anime we might not uh usually they don't have a lot to do directly with the main purpose of me being here and chatting for the day but i still think you'll be blessed by them and when we take trips to the hyperbolic time chamber let me tell you the hyperbolic time chamber if you're not familiar is uh it's a shout out from dragon ball z in DBZ, there is a room called the Hyperbolic Time Chamber in which many of the warriors in the show go to train. They go there for the specific purpose of getting stronger. The Hyperbolic Time Chamber is located on the lookout, the living quarters of the Guardian of Earth. At the Hyperbolic Time Chamber, once you step out onto the training field, you will notice Gravity hits 10 times harder than that of Earth, and you will notice wild fluctuations in temperature. The point of the hyperbolic time chamber is to get stronger, but when you get stronger, you will be uncomfortable. You might be itching a little bit because of how it feels to be in that room. But the cool thing is, when you're in the hyperbolic time chamber, you are in close proximity to your guardian. You are in close proximity to Kami. Kami in Japanese actually does mean God. So it's a, it's a whole, the Lord, the Lord lined it up amazingly. Let me just put it to you like that. But anyway, when we take trips to the hyperbolic time chamber, we were often talking about anime and talking about the word of God or it's just God's character in general. But anyway, in the hyperbolic time chamber today, we will be talking about Dr. Stone and I'm hyped. Dr. Stone has two seasons out right now, and uh, the third one is coming out week to week at the moment of recording for this episode of this podcast. And the premise of the show, it's all about science. And if you know me, I'm a fairly huge science nerd. I'm the type that likes to watch animal documentaries. I'm all about it. So this show was quite literally a dream come true for me. It's a combination of anime, in-depth science, and shonen. Like, I mean, what's not to like? But anyway, 
Uh, for our off-topic segment, I want to remind you guys that foolish people have eyes too. What I mean by that is in religious and in secular circles, we can often mistake uh, other people recognizing our gifts as a sign that they're meant to go to the next phase of life with us or as a sign that, oh, these people are the people I've been looking for, the people that are prepared to be by my side. Especially when you live in a world where many people don't recognize your gifts, where people don't seem to notice the blessing that you are to them, to the people around you, or the blessing that you have the capacity to be in the circles that you run in. But this issue is especially dangerous romantically, if you ask me. Uh, I had some great conversations this past week about this exact topic. And while we were discussing this, we were discussing how when you feel like you're finally being recognized, the emotions you can feel in that moment can be overwhelming. And especially if it's someone that you're, you're checking out, you're like, hey, let me just put it out like this. I know God took his time making you glory to God. In the event that you see them, you're just like, hey, you know what? I was looking in the book of numbers and I noticed I didn't have yours. If it's that kind of person that got you uh, making the double take on the low low and uh, clearly recognizing God's glory through his creation. When they say something nice to you, number one, you're like, oh, <laughs> you shouldn't have. But number two, when they say something that feels that feels like you've been waiting to hear it for years. When they say, hey, I really see how you are a gift to the people around you. When they say, hey, you know what? Your smile warms my heart, and I'm sure it warms the hearts of everyone that gets the opportunity to see it. When they say stuff like that, they can have you feel in some type of way. But I don't want you to take that as fact that these people have your best interests at heart. Even fools have eyes too. At the end of the day, you, and I'm yes, I'm talking to you. You are valuable. You are made in the image of the king, of our God, of the great creator, of the almighty. You are made in his image. So I don't want you to be surprised if someone looks you in the face and says, you know what? You're really creative. You know what? You're really strong. You know what? You are really gifted. Of course you are. Why are you surprised? You better, you better look them in the face and say, you're right. God made me like this. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for your kind words anyway. At the end of the day, you are not an accident. So don't, don't take Mediocre compliments as if they're a, surpri a surprise to you. Be thankful. Appreciate the kind words other people say to you. But know whose child you are. Know whose ability, whose image you are made in. You are a son or a daughter of the king. But anyway, I say this because... In the romantic setting, or even just in the friendship setting, 
this, these kind words and compliments can feel overwhelming when you're not used to them. And when you're not used to them, you can feel like, oh, finally I've found someone that sees me for the real me. But that, that, that's, that's not that big of a deal. And let me tell you why I say it like that. Even a fool can spot gold. Yeah, the fool's gold exists. I get that. But if, if someone without wisdom, without purpose, without God in them, without good intentions, gazes upon something that is valuable, they can tell. You can tell when something, a substance, you don't have to be a chemist to look at the ground and see a substance and be like, you know what? That is valuable. I don't see something like that every day. So for some reason, this rare behavior is valuable. It doesn't take a genius or a mastermind to be able to tell that. In the same way that I want you to recognize your own value, also recognize when the people that are recognizing your own value aren't in it for the best intentions. Your value does deserve to be recognized. But be careful devoting your time, resources, and effort to someone simply because they have above average intellect and can tell how valuable you are. Think of it like this. Gordon Ramsay walks in the room and you just prepared a magnificent steak. Filet mignon. It's tender. You, it's, I don't know. I know some of y'all like your steaks medium or rare. Don't get in my comments talking that medium well tastes like a leather shoe. I will, I believe in the laying on of hands and y'all don't want this beef. But let's pretend that rare steak is good. You make this amazing rare steak and Gordon Ramsay loves it. He's attracted to it. He's salivating over it and he could smell how delectable it is. It attracts someone with a palate like his. But you know who else it attracts? It attracts the flies too. So not everyone that is attracted to you and your excellence, you and your gifting, you and your intelligence is in it for the best reason or at the end of the day really knows what to do with your value. I just want to encourage you, you're valuable, but keep an eye out for the people who can really encourage you, motivate, exhort, and live life alongside you to add to your value opposed to subtracting from it. But anyway, it's about that time that we head to the hyperbolic time chamber. Again, this is the third episode of the Gospel of Anime, and we're about to talk about Dr. Stone. So, if you're unfamiliar, Dr. Stone is a TV show that revolves primarily around science and this kid that is obsessed with science. He loves it. He is a scientist. And that's probably why I love this show so much. I have a science background academically. I, like I said, I'm a, I got my doctorate in physical therapy. In order to get there, I had to take a lot of science classes, a lot of biology classes, a couple chemistry classes, some physics, all that fun stuff. And 
I really feel like I'm walking in my calling because I love science so much. You wouldn't have to pay me to sit down and watch some science. Like, I mean, in this specific case, if you if you just tied me to a chair and say, hey, we're going to watch a movie. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Just know that it's science fiction. I'll be sold. You don't got to say anything more. I say it's a wrap. If, bro, especially if there are aliens in it. Who? I don't know. Anyway, that's not that's not what we're here for. But I love science and science fiction. So when I heard of this anime, I got hyped expeditiously. I was ill prepared for how excited I would be. But if you don't know, Dr. Stone revolves around uh, this spontaneous event that randomly occurs on our Earth, a universe similar to ours. One day, randomly, a green flash of light hits the horizon, and suddenly, every human being and every swallow, as in the bird, is turned to stone. This show, despite a beginning that's as bleak as humanity all turning to stone, follows this young man named Senku. He's a high schooler who loves science. And he's someone who confidently pursues his interest. And he already can tell that he's fairly good at science. So he continues to work hard at improving his talent. This guy Senku is enthralled with anything and everything scientific. But opposed to just, you know, recognizing his enjoyment and affinity for science and then that being the end of it, he continues to pursue his passion with his long-term goal of going into space. He, has, he wants to be an astronaut, so to speak. Brother wants to go to the moon. And he said, you know what? This is my goal and I'm going to take every step possible to get there. As you can imagine, Senku's dream is abruptly cut short based off the minor issue of him being turned to stone. And like I said, the rest of the humans on the face of the earth and the swallows followed suit. But with that backstory, I want to talk a little bit about a parable uh, in the Bible. Uh, and actually, this isn't a parable. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to the parable, but anyway. While I was looking over, you know, the word of God uh, to add to this episode of the gospel of anime, uh, the Lord led me to Matthew 21, uh, just randomly. Uh, I wasn't really even looking like that. But uh, in this passage, Jesus is at this point an already well-established miracle worker. He's already like an assumed Messiah by most of the Jewish people. And this man just... Uh, coast into uh, Jerusalem on the back of a donkey while homies were yelling Hosanna and blessed be the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Everyone, pe people, people know him. They recognize him. They know this man works miracles. But anyway, after this experience, Jesus is coasting through town, maybe wherever he's coasting through somewhere and he comes upon a fig tree. He observes that the tree only has leaves on it and no fruit, no figs. And apparently no one told the fig tree that uh, the Messiah was coming through town. But uh, Jesus says to the tree, may you never bear fruit again. 
and the tree immediately withers. The disciples are tripping. They are stunned. They're like, this man made this tree wither immediately. That's impressive. Lord, how? And Jesus says, truly, I tell you. Well, first things first. I just, this is a side note. Forgive me, guys. But I love how when I read the Bible, Jesus so regularly says, truly, I tell you, or I tell you the truth, because in my mind, if Jesus lived today, this, that would be the equivalent of him saying, hey, boy, no cap or bro, big facts. I tell you the truth. This, if you got faith, you, you could do this too. But anyway, Jesus says, hey, no cap, if you have faith. And no doubt, you can not only do this, but you could say to a mountain, get up and throw yourself into the sea. This passage can easily describe what it takes to have faith and what you can do when you have faith. And a lot of times it is, it is taught with that being the purpose. However, the revelation I feel like I got from this pack, this passage was a little bit different. I bring this up because Jesus gave such a, one could say, aggressive response to a tree that just had no fruit on it. Think about all the trees he probably saw that day that may not have been fig trees, but didn't have no fruit. They, I'm, Jesus didn't give it a thought. He didn't make nothing wither. We, we read this in the Bible and it stands out to me because why is his response so serious? Is it, is it that big of a deal? Did the tree really deserve to, to get withered like that? But this passage, to me, demonstrated the way God values purpose. Gifts, and for those gifts, no pun intended, to bear fruit. As we continue talking about Dr. Stone, our protagonist Senku, he, decades, centuries later, emerges from his stone-like prison, from being literally a rock. And this boy has not shifted one millimeter in his ideals and in his goals. Something my family gets, the, my immediate family, gets to hear from me very often is me use the word cultivate. Uh, it literally means in the English language to prepare and use, to acquire or develop. I use this term really passionately because I care a lot about you and your gifts being improved. If you can develop the gifts that God has given you, it is nearly impossible for you not to bear fruit with them. Senku being a young man that with a dream of going to space starts doing science projects unassigned to him by his teachers. Brother starts playing with model rockets. Brother starts putting together like generators and doing outrageous stuff and learning about everything. In the show, he even talks about studying Ebola in Africa as a high school student. This is how much he is prepared to pursue his passion. This is how much he's ready to do what it takes to reach his goal and to improve his gifting. 
Senku, through this cultivation of his gift for science and through his preparation of his intellect to reach his goal, Senku, through the cultivation of his gift for science, through the preparation of his intellect to reach his goals, may quite literally be the most equipped person on the face of the earth to combat the current global situation. And he's starting from scratch, to make it clear. Brother, brother didn't even have clothes. But what I love is it's not only him. Senku has two friends that uh, he spent a decent amount of time with growing up. Taiju and Yuzuriha. Both of which we can say pursued their gifting and improved upon it. Taiju has this gift of above average strength and stamina. This man is an ox. He is a he is a stone cold killer when it comes to anything physical. Yuzuria has this amazing artistic nature about her, one in which she can weave amazing flags, she can she can put things together in a way that some people could only dream of. Before long, Senku recognizes that this is not going to be that great for me if I'm by myself. So he goes out of his way to think up a couple hypotheses in order to revive his best friend, Taiju, the one with the above average strength. He places Taiju near where Senku himself was revived, with his hypothesis being, for something about this area played a part in me getting free, so maybe it'll work for my best friend. And it does. Glory to God. This man is no longer by himself. These two men, through their hard work and ingenuity, formed the foundation of the chemical process that has the potential to revive the whole of humanity after a nearly apocalyptic event. Senku is the perfect example of how your gift will make room for you. That's why you need to work on improving it. Work hard at it too. Imagine if Senku didn't study as hard as he did. He would not have had the mental capacity, wisdom, the understanding to even gain the resources to create what they call the uh, the miracle fluid, the fluid that will bring people back to life after being turned to stone. The Bible makes it very clear that having the capacity to produce, improve, bear fruit with a gift that you've been given and intentionally choosing not to do so is something that God doesn't want for us. We see how Jesus reacts when uh, he looks upon the fig tree. Despite the tree having the tools, the sun, for example, the soil, and the water, it didn't produce what the Son of God wanted to use at that time. All because it didn't utilize its gift. This tree had the genetic makeup to make figs, an abundance of figs. But it didn't. It was unequipped for the call of the king. You might say, Remy, how do we know that this tree wasn't just dehydrated and unable to produce? The details of the passage say it. 
Trees that are dying, trees that are weak, trees that can't produce fruit, often will not have leaves on them. But we see in the scripture that there are leaves on the tree. The Lord notices this. He's like, there are mad leaves on that tree, but no figs. What is that about? This tree, having been created for a singular purpose of bearing fruit, figs to be specific, missed out on its opportunity to be used by God because it chose not to bear fruit. Leaves were the bare minimum, but the bare minimum is not good enough for the king. We see this same uh, attitude, we see the same character from God in the parable of the talents. If you're not familiar, basically, there's a master and he has three servants. He gives each servant a talents in accordance with their ability. Talents at this time is a unit of measuring money. He gives the first servant five talents. The second servant, he gives two talents. And the third, he gives one. And like I said, this is all consistent with their ability. And that matters intensely when it comes to this conversation that we're having. What can God trust you with when it comes to your ability? You have your natural gifts, but can he trust you with taking that gift to the maximum level? Anyway, let's get, let's get back to this uh, parable. The master leaves and he entrusts this money to these servants. But when he gets back, he learns that the first servant that was given five talents, this man was slick with it. This brother this brother made some wise business ventures. And what he did was turn those five talents into ten. Brother rolls back up to the master and says, Hey, uh, I invested it here. I did a little something, something here. And now I have ten talents to give back to you, master. Thank you for entrusting it uh, with me. The master says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, so I'm going to give you much. You're about to be rolling in it. And then the second servant that was given two talents does the same thing. This brother doubles his money. Well, not his money, the master's money. He doubles the money he was stewarding over. And the master hits him with the same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, so I'm going to give you much. But let me tell you about this last. Oh, man. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. I mean, anyway. This last servant that was given one says your master i know that you think you slick but you're not i know that you reap where you have not sown and you pick up harvest where you didn't sow seed so what i did so because i was afraid i buried my talent in the ground and just left it there but here you go. Here's your one talent back. This master is livid. He says, you slothful servant. What on earth you think you're doing? You acting up. You wiling for that. You could at the very least have given this talent to the banker. So I could have got some interest off it. But you, you lazy child of God. It, it doesn't actually say that in the Bible. But anyway, you lazy man. 
So after getting scolded, he gets that talent taken away from him and given to the one that has 10. And the master says, throw this servant into, cast him into darkness. I can't be about that life. We see at these two points in the Bible that the master, a.k.a. God, cares about what we do with what we're given. Today, I want you to realize that you too have the tools to cultivate and bear fruit with your talent. And I don't think it's a mistake that throughout this shift of history, these gifts we have called talents can reflect so well back on this passage of scripture. I just think God is slick like that. I want you to know that your your talent can bear fruit. After all, you have the sun by your side and in your heart. You have access to living water. And you are planted in an environment that maybe contrary to your belief has the potential to challenge you to grow, encourage you in your success, and is the perfect environment that needs your fruit. Ishigami Senku not only found an environment where his cultivated gift can shine and was absolutely essential to keeping the world that he knew existing, he got the privilege and the honor to see the fruits of his father's labor decades, centuries after his father passed, meaning Ichigami Village. As your friend from a distance, as the host of this podcast, I want to encourage you. Take the steps to be the ancestor that your great-great-grandchildren will be in awe of just because of the fruits of your labor. If Senku is successful in his pursuit to revive humanity, generations will come to know of his stewardship of his gift, of his hard work and of how he was the perfect person with the perfect gift to bring everything back for mankind. What does it take for you to initiate your journey towards maximizing your gift that God gave you? All of this to say, I want you to grow your gift. Because when you grow your gift, you grow. And when you grow, you can handle more. And when you can handle more, God will give you more. Just like the parable of the talents. Just like Ishigami Senku. He had the capacity to be the one to revive first and to bring humanity back. That's not an accident. In the same way that the plans God have for you down the line are not an accident. God will give you what you can handle, but why don't you make sure that you can handle more? Don't expect to be the person with the solo when you were never the person practicing late in your room. Don't expect to get the lead role when you were never running lines in the mirror to be a side character. Don't expect to be the surgeon when you were never the one passing the scalpel and just observing. Senku grew his gift to be able to handle the resurrection of science and mankind in a primitive post-apocalyptic world. And please, guys, don't get me wrong. I know this is a rough trip to the hyperbolic time chamber and in one in which I'm calling you to look critically at the life that you're currently living. But this episode is not meant to reprimand you. 
this episode is not meant to make you think that you're doing poorly or that if Jesus passes you by right now, you would shrivel up and die or anything crazy like that. You're not going to be cast into darkness. I just want you to be encouraged because you do have a gift. And it might not look like a lot to you. But regardless, hone it. Hone it into a proper skill that can be used by God and used by you. And I would love to use myself as a perfect example. I didn't think I had a gift for a long time. It was a long time before anyone said, you have a nice voice. It was a long time before anyone said, hey, you're pretty good at science. So at the time, what I was semi good at was dancing. And I know that sounds very, very random. And that's because it is. But when I learned that I could almost dance, what I set my sights on is to be amazing at it. I spent, I stayed up late all the time. Honestly, every day after school, just watching YouTube videos of street battles, of dancing, of this, of that, to the point that I became really good at battling people uh, at hip hop. This became a gift that I thought was going to be wasted. I was just like, okay, cool. Now I'm really good at battle dancing people. And that has no practical life skills because I don't have the capacity to do a backflip like all these amazing dancers. I, I ain't Chris Brown. I'm not, I'm not really out there like that. But to my surprise, God found a way to use it. My freshman year in college, I went on a short-term missions trip to Guatemala. And for the first half of it, we did a lot of manual labor. We dug cisterns. We created fuel-efficient water filters and... God was moving all up and down that piece. But the last week, we went to different schools and taught a little bit, taught them about Jesus and just taught academically. But one school we went to heard that I could dance and they were about that life. And let me put it to you like this. I was unprepared for the, for the number of kids at that school that knew how to break it down to an outrageous degree. Kids were doing backflips off tables. It was it was a step up three moment. I was so confused. I was like, who taught you guys this? Where did this come from? But because I had the capacity to speak their language, even if I wasn't fluent in Spanish, by just breaking it down, showing them moves they haven't done before or seen before, I could connect with them on a deeper level and then introduce them to Jesus. It was honestly the coolest opportunity because I got to fold some kids at a dance battle and then say, hey, don't worry, one day you'll be better than me. Now here's Jesus. I'm just kidding. A lot of them whooped my butt, but there was a couple that I, you know, yeah, I give them the work. But anyway, all that to say, that gift that you have might not seem like very much. But I want you to have confidence in yourself and confidence in the person God made you to be. I don't know if you guys have seen Hunter Hunter, but it's one of my favorite anime of all time. And in Hunter Hunter, we see uh, Killua go through the ringer a little bit. Killua in this show during the Chimera Ant arc gets so used to underestimating himself that he ends up losing multiple battles too, in fact, that he could have won had he had the faith to believe that he could be successful. 
don't be the person that underestimates the gifts that God gave you. After all, they are gifts from God. You can use them. They, they, were, they were given to you on purpose. This, this isn't an accident. You're just not accidentally good at XYZ. That's on purpose. I just want to encourage you to acquire the discipline to improve these gifts and the discernment to learn where they can best be used. A wise gentleman I met this last week in small group, uh, shout out to that boy, Jared, good looking out. He, I told him a little bit about what I was planning to share with you all. And he talked about one of the parallel scriptures in Mark, uh, basically reading approximately the same thing that we just talked about when it comes to the tree. And he discussed how the tree and we are personifying a tree here at the end of the day. He mentioned that this tree's lack of production communicates a cold and uncooperative spirit. When we don't add or produce or cultivate anything with our gifts, we are like that fig tree. We are cold and uncooperative and no longer of use to the king. Thank God we have grace because I'm not trying to be shriveled up just because of bad stewardship. Once again, I want to encourage you to work to be in a place where you can be useful to the king when he needs you. Otherwise, when that time comes and he wants to call upon you and he sees your lack of fruit, he's just going to pass you by and work miracles through someone else. Just like the homie with the five talents and just like Senku, have the fruit available for the king to use. Guys, I know that may have been a rough trip to the hyperbolic time chamber, but thank you so much for listening. If right now you're saying, how am I supposed to sprout from this environment and yield any fruit? I don't even have the sun. I don't even have living water. If you want to know how to get them, I'm going to tell you right now. Jesus, 2,000 plus years ago, died on the cross for you and your sins so that you can be free of sin and sickness. And if you say this prayer after me, you can accept him into your heart and he can be your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to be Lord of my life. Right now, I accept you as my Savior. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe, God, that you raised him from the dead. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Change me, renew me, and transform me, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Right now, let me be the first to congratulate you. You are now a new creature. You have been transformed. So now I want you to remember today because this is the first day of the rest of your life. And tell someone, seriously, tell someone, tell me, slide up in the DMs, tell me. But I also want you to celebrate because this is worthy of celebration. Your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to congratulate you.
Thank you again so much for listening. I want y'all to stay blessed and highly favored. And feel free to come back next week and listen. God bless. Yeah.